We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's emergency podcast time. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bees, Chris Biederman, and we're sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. Go visit the brewery in Santa Rosa or order your beer online at cooperagebrewing.com. Must be 21 or over and in the state of California. They'll overnight some beer t- for you. And we had a second run of Candlestick Chronicles. That's a beer, obviously, named after our podcast. It's a hazy IPA. It is delightful. Order yours today. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. texted me emergency pod after the Christian McCaffrey trade was announced by Adam Schefter. And I was almost certain you were doing a bit like, because of course we were going to record because we did a whole podcast today. We recorded it like three 30 this afternoon, did a whole podcast about what would it look like if they trade for McCaffrey? What would they give up? Hey, what about Antonio Gibson? That might be an option. We did a whole pod. We did a whole thing. So we, we scrapped all that. We kept the Cooperage six pack. So when you hear the Cooperage six-pack, keep in mind that we recorded that without the news of Christian McCaffrey being on the 49ers. So, Chris, the 49ers unload a in, in the 2023 draft a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick, and then a fifth-round pick in the 2024 draft. At first, I thought that this was too much. I thought the Emmanuel Sanders deal was probably about as, as high as they would go. But now that they've done it, and the more I think about it, this feels like a move that a good team makes. This is a good team right on the right on the cusp, and they're going for it. They're saying, screw the 2023 draft. They already don't have a first-round pick. They are loaded already, and they've had some success drafting in the later rounds. So I I like that they're going for it. Yeah, I, I think, man, there's there's so there's so many different angles of this trade that make it fascinating. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just what Kyle Shanahan could potentially do with an offense featuring Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, 
George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, right? And that's both a long-term and short-term thought because now Kyle Shanahan is very clearly going all in on trying to win a Super Bowl this year, right? Like you make this move in the middle of the season because you think it's going to help you win a Super Bowl right now. And the 49ers have watched the Rams obviously construct their team with trades and free agent acquisitions and big contracts while punting on the draft. And it worked for them last year. The Niners lost to them in the NFC championship game. Um, I think it, I also think about what it means for Trey Lance in 2023, because all the reporting since, and obviously this is a long way out, but all the reporting has been the 49ers, you know, still intend to make Trey Lance their starting quarterback. Um, and, who knows what happens in the offseason? Obviously, how this season results is going to play a big part in that. But like Trey Lance with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, right? Like that's yes. that is a very interesting proposition. And I would go as far as to say, like, no young quarterback has ever been put in a better spot than what Trey Lance will get in 2023, assuming all these guys are back and healthy. <laughs> right. Is that right. fair? Um, but no, Kyle Shanahan. It was already there. Right. Right. And now it has, you know, Kyle Shanahan finally has, I think, a much, much better version, more talented version than what he thought he was going to have when they signed Jarek McKinnon in 2018. Because I watched those training camp practices in 2018 after signing McKinnon, and they were using him all over the place. And in the passing game, he was going to be like their third down guy, their third down weapon. Because at that point, before his knee injuries, McKinnon was a matchup problem for linebackers. Like he was fast and explosive like a receiver, but also compact and physical. Like, And he was a good route runner, a good pass catcher. Kyle Shanahan was using him all over the place. And ultimately, long term, I think that's what's going to happen with McCaffrey here. Because it would be a little bit silly to just run this guy into the ground (laughs) after giving up all this draft capital. And the contract isn't as bad as it appears, but I think that's kind of a secondary thing. Um, I know there's like concern, like, oh, the 49ers have to pay Nick Bosa. Why are they doing this? It's like, I I'm pretty sure they've factored in all of the machinations to, um, get Nick Bosa on a new contract with Christian McCaffrey in here. Like that's, that's kind of baked into everything they do at this point, I think. So I would be stunned if they all of a sudden can't get a Nick Bosa deal done because of this Christian McCaffrey contract. Yeah. There's no way there's No. no way that they didn't take that into account. Right. And, and that's the thing when you have so many big contracts already on your books and in advanced stages of those contracts, like Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, um, Trent Williams, George Kittle, like you can restructure and do a lot of different things that move money around. Like, I don't think that's really a concern. I think the biggest concern here is just, can you keep them healthy? Um, Because coming into the year, he missed 23 of 33 games because of injuries. Um, that's really what it comes down to. I don't think the money's a, a particularly big factor. I think the draft capital is certainly a big factor, but it seems to me there was some sort of bidding war. Like the Niners had to come in at a certain price to beat other teams' offers. But also and- because of the compen- the compensatory picks they're getting from the Mike McDaniels and Martin Mayhews and Robert Sala hires, like they're still going to have two third round picks in this upcoming draft. Right. So they 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 don't have a one, they don't have a two, 
Um, they lost one of their three threes, and then they're losing, uh, I think, a four in 2023 and then a five in 2024. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of picks, but they're coming from a place where they do have extra third round picks. Um, so it's not it's not terrible from that perspective. It's basically a second round pick and some other stuff they're willing to part with. And I think too, you have to weigh this against, and I think it has a lot to do with, with what you think of Kyle Shanahan and whether you trust Kyle Shanahan, because he signed Jarek McKinnon. Was it four years, 30 million? Yeah. And when he did that, Jarek McKinnon in his career had 616 touches for 2,902 yards and 12 touchdowns. And that was in 58 games. Christian McCaffrey in the last four years has played 32 games, has 733 touches, 4,200 yards from scrimmage, and 30 touchdowns. So if Kyle Shanahan saw the vision with Jarek McKinnon, I think you can multiply that effectiveness with McCaffrey. And I just think, like, I, I understand the risks. And I understand the 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 cost but the potential reward here with what Shanahan has planned with McCaffrey and what he can do for this offense an offense where the run game has been struggling and I don't know that Elijah Mitchell was going to be the fix for that and this is an offense that lacked that pass catching back that For a while right they just they have they really ever had it, it McKinnon was, was the guy and it was like jamichael hasty the last couple of years right so this is just this adds an element to the to the 49ers it's not like oh they're he's gonna make this better it's it's a it's gonna just it's gonna look different and there's going to be check down opportunities and quick pass opportunities. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some weird stuff with like Debo and McCaffrey in the backfield together. Like Absolutely. there, there are, there are so many possibilities here. And the thing I keep coming back to is so much of what makes Kyle Shanahan successful is George Kittle's versatility, right? He can block, he can split out wide. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up as a, as an H back. Like it doesn't, there's all sorts of things you can do with him. And defenses can't key on things based on your personnel grouping. Same thing with Kyle Kyle Uzcheck. That's why Kyle Uzcheck so valuable. And Debo. he's not just and Debo. It's a big reason Debo so valuable. And now they have another positionless player, quote unquote. And I think when you just when you when you consider the the deception factor in terms of personnel and formations and and ways defenses are going to be able to to attack the 49ers or try and attack the 49ers. There's nobody in the there's nobody in the NFL better at creating mismatches than Kyle Shanahan. And now they're going to have four players on the field most times that create massive mismatch issues. And that just seems like a nightmare for defensive coordinators. Not to mention, I meant to get to this earlier, they kept him away from the Rams. A Rams team that's struggling offensively, that has nothing outside of Cooper Cup right now. Like Tyler Higby is their number two receiver. And God bless Tyler Higby, he's not a number two pass catcher. He's a tight end, not a receiver, but pass catcher. And if you add Christian McCaffrey to Sean McVay's run game, all of a sudden the Rams are cooking with gas going into their bye week because the Rams are on a bye this week. So they would have gotten Christian McCaffrey 
not had to play a game, gotten him up to speed, and he would have gotten on the ground cooking against the 49ers in week eight. So I think there's that that you have to factor into this cost as well, that the 49ers got better and perhaps their biggest threat to the division didn't. They're going to have to figure out their offensive problems without this all pro caliber running back. Yeah. agree with all of it. Like I, for, for me, in terms of judging it and the, this, the, the only way for me to really judge it is just, I think it's a good move if he stays healthy, but that is the incalculable risk that like none of us know. We know what the history says and we know what the 49ers mm-hmm. recent history says in terms of the way they've dealt with injured guys and the luck that they've had with injuries. Yeah. Um. So that's the risk to me. I can't sit here and say it's a bad deal because I know he's going to get hurt. I mean, there's a pretty good chance, right? But like there are injured guys, you know, like Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward injured throughout the first, their first rookie contracts, essentially both of them, like really struggled to deal with injuries. And then the last few years had been the 49ers most durable players yeah. until, until this year, until oddly, this year. <laughs> oddly enough, naturally. Um, but it does happen where guys who have injury histories can put together good stretches and McCaffrey's 26 and looks like he takes care of his body in a similar way that like Nick Bosa does. Right. So well, that I'm sure that factors into the way Kyle Shanahan's thinking about it. And they know the McCaffrey's. And he also trained to, He also changed his off season training regimen this year to do less bulking and more yoga and uh, plyometrics. And what, what's Tom Brady talk about pliability? Is that the word? Yeah. Like flexibility. He focused more on that. And I know you're a big yogi, so you're probably thrilled. <laughs> but but I, I I understand the I understand the risk of it. But like I said, the the reward could be a Super Bowl. And if players players of of Christian McCaffrey's caliber don't just come available, and I get the paying running backs, and oh, this is a this is a team that this is a coaching tree and a a guy in Kyle Shanahan that's gotten the most out of undrafted guys and six round picks. I get I understand all of it. I get, I'm I'm on board. But when you looked at this season and you looked at this 49ers offense, it was mediocre as hell. And I think that. Jimmy Garoppolo needs a good run game to maximize his effectiveness. And, and another, is, another guy to hit with short passes. Yeah. On, on top of, right. On top of that. So like, like I said, I understand all, I understand the consternation. And if somebody wants to sit there and tear their hair out and think they gave up too much for a running back in 2022, fine. But Christian McCaffrey isn't a downhill run it 25 times, and that's his value back. He is a, a another offensive weapon who has been very effective through his six years in the NFL. I think if one thing that's changed over the last few years in the NFL, and the Rams have obviously typified this, if you're if you have a loaded roster already. Yeah, in theory, you would love to have draft picks and keep rebuilding your roster and replenishing and all of that. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, it's harder to go all in on a single season and win a Super Bowl when that's when you are hoarding picks. Yeah, instead of being willing to be aggressive, right? And I think 
the salary cap stuff, first of all, there's no guaranteed money left on his deal after the restructure he did before this season. So in terms of cap figures, like that stuff can be fungible and the cap is going to explode over the next few years with the new rights and, you know, media money and all of that stuff. So I think we're at a time now where draft picks, particularly for good teams with loaded rosters, draft picks and salary cap stuff is not what it was because there's more salary cap money. And for these teams who already have good rosters, a lot of them view it like, you know, what's what's a draft pick in 2024 really mean to us when we're trying to win a Super Bowl right now? And the other mm-hmm. thing, you know, we, we've hinted at this and, and maybe even had discussions about it, talking about John Lynch and, you know, the, the offer he got from Amazon and wondering if John Lynch is really going to stick around long term. If John Lynch knows he's doing this for two or three more years, what's he care about draft picks? Right. <laughs> you know, like what, he, what what's he care about what the team looks like in 26 and 27? If he's going to be out by then, and I'm not saying he is, but it's just kind of the nature of the NFL where like some of these guys realize like their, their jobs have a shelf life and and some of them only want to do it for a certain amount of time. And they're like, yeah, all right, well, before I leave, let's go try to win a Super Bowl and screw these draft picks. I can't rule out that that's not an element to this. Yeah. Well, but also like they kept Jimmy Garoppolo around because they thought they could win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And I I I mean I, I just <laughs> if they had stood pat and gone 10 and 7 and lost in the second round are we going to be going yeah but at least they have a second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know I think that's like a good that, way to put it. Th- that's that's where like the 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 major effect here is is that the draft is going to be a little bit boring. I mean, the draft's always a little bit boring, but the draft's going to be more boring, especially on day one, like and early day two. So, I get I get that it's a little bit irresponsible or whatever, but I just I think the peak version of the 49ers now has a possibility to, hey, if their defense doesn't get a couple stops in the Super Bowl, they can go score. Like that's, that's where if they're, if they're, how, how, how much better of a spot would they have been in, in the NFC championship game last year? If after the Rams tied it and the 49ers got the ball, they had Christian McCaffrey to hand and throw the ball to. It'd have been in a way better spot. And then you tack on like Elijah Mitchell's not gone. Elijah Mitchell's still an effective running back, but now he can spell Christian McCaffrey instead of carrying 20, 25 times a game and getting banged up. So now maybe you have a fresher, healthier Elijah Mitchell to go along with that. This could be a really, really good offense. And I just, I think the risk is worth the reward. Maybe it doesn't work and maybe it fails miserably, but given where they were at in a, in an NFC, particularly the NFC that is there for the taking, it's better to have good players than to not have good players. And the 49ers got a really good player. Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Like I, I'm, I, I immediately looked while you were talking, I, I went to see like 
who the Niners free agents are going to be in 2023. <laughs> and like the cap space. So as of right now, I think this is over the cap before the McCaffrey thing kicks in. Um, the 49ers in 2023 have 27.9 million. And like, even with McCaffrey and Nick Bosa, I'm sure they'll, they'll be fine. That's plenty of space to work during an off season. But when it comes to free agency, the 49ers have Jimmy Ward, um, Samson Ebukam, ideally Drake Jackson fills his role. Emmanuel Mosley, like maybe Emmanuel Mosley's back cheaper because of the injury and he'll go through, you know, the, another contract year next season. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers try bringing him back coming off the ACL. Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Like when you, when you talk about the draft compensation to me, you have to look at like, all right, who really needs replacing? And right. Mike McGlinchey was a first round pick, right? They're not going to have high picks to potentially get a tackle there. Right. Or, you know, Jimmy Ward, if he goes like, who are you getting at safety? I think Ward, there's right. a decent chance Ward comes back. Um, And, but there's also the element of, all right, they've hit on late round picks. Talano Hufanga is playing really well. Ziamador Lenore has become a good player, at least at this point in the season. So you're not looking at a roster where you're like, man, they have just, they just have so many holes. Like they really need to fill, fill with draft picks. Like there are a few guys there, but I'm, I'm with the idea of like, we have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Let's, put an offense together that we can win with. Like, I think that's super valuable. And in today's NFL, it's worth doing. Kyle Shanahan's tired of losing in the playoffs. Like there was with the Falcons or now even with the 49ers and, you know, any other point in his career, like Kyle Shanahan really wants to win a Super Bowl. And sometimes when coaches and, and GMs and people like that, they don't just say, whatever, I'm not even going to think about the draft picks. I'm thinking about, what's happening over these next few weeks and months and what are our chances at getting a Super Bowl? And I will deal with the draft picks when the draft comes, you know, next spring and the spring after that. Mm -hmm. Like if I were a coach and I invested every waking moment of my day to try to win football games, the draft next year and the year after that would be the last thing I'm thinking about. And I understand that that might not be the best perspective to have, but I think that's that's where Kyle Shanahan's at at this point because he is so frustrated by the fact that, you know, the Super Bowl in 2019 went that way. The NFC Championship game last year went that way. They've been killed by injuries in three separate seasons. Like, he's frustrated and very clearly wants to win a Super Bowl more than anything else. Yeah, and they were careening toward the same path they were on. Like, hey, defense is going to have to carry them. Can they get enough offense? Um, what happens if the defense falters a little bit? What happens if they turn it over? Like, they were they were going to go into the playoffs if they made the playoffs with the exact same formula. The exact same formula, like you said, that had them coming up short. And maybe they still come up short. But at some point, you have to do something. And it can't be, hey, let's wait around to the second round and see if there's like an offensive lineman that falls. Like that, that's, that's where this is at. That's where they were at. So, like I said, I understand the, the consternation and the hand wringing over 
using this much capital on a running back and paying a running back this much, although they may redo his deal. I don't know. But if they win a Super Bowl this year, it will be worth it. That's what this is about. This is not about, hey, what about 2023? Figure that out down the road. This is about this season because the NFC is there for the taking. And they didn't even wait around to play the Chiefs to see where they were at. They said, screw it. We're going to go. Because that's what we posited in our now gone lost podcast that maybe they'd see how they looked against the Chiefs before making any big splashes. But um, <laughs> Kurt Benkert, this I had tweet deck up. This just came across. Uh, Kurt Benkert, the 49ers practice squad quarterback, says, I don't even play and I'm hype AF. So I was literally just thinking I about respect that about that before you mentioned before you mentioned that tweet. You were thinking about Kurt Benkert? No, I was thinking oh. about maybe there's some there's an element to of like giving this team a jolt of energy. Right? Because yeah. even even like, you know, the injuries are piling up. They just came back from a long trip um in West Virginia and those those trips are are long and tiring. Right. Even though like you can be more focused on football or whatever, like it's still mentally taxing to be away from your family and all of that stuff. Like I've been on a couple of those trips like they are when you get back, you feel like you're gone for two months, even though you're you're gone for just 10 days, like multiple cities. Yeah. It's exhausting to come back from a trip like that after a loss to Atlanta, particularly the way it went. I could see Kyle Shanahan being like, we got to do something to zap this team with some energy and and to get to to lighten the mood a little bit because everybody's focused on the injuries and trying to get guys healthy and a bad loss to Atlanta and everybody's mentally exhausted like now to to your point with the tweet like like if you're Fred Warner and you're like going in every week being like we gotta limit the other team to 13 points if we're gonna win this game based on the right. way the offense can look from from time to time now he's got to be pumped. Like if you're anybody on that defense, you have to be pumped because now you have an offense that has a much better chance at complementing that defense with the running game, which we know is ultimately how Kyle Shanahan has tried to design this team, how to play. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this gives him a much better opportunity at that. When it like God love Tevin Coleman. It's really cool that he had his couple touchdowns against the Panthers. But if Tevin Coleman's getting meaningful snaps for your team in 2022, that's not good. No. We talked about it. Jeff Wilson Jr. in the role that he's in, it, it is not going to be successful over the long term. He can have a game here or there for sure. But it's just not the same as having even Elijah Mitchell back there. And then you add in Christian McCaffrey, who's a better runner and better receiver. Like It just adds their a new element. And like you said, maybe that jolt of excitement as well, like that non tangible, uh, factor. The, the team, like I can see it being really tangible when they play on Sunday. It's like, gonna, they're, they're going to be hyped to play the chiefs. They obviously what happened in the super bowl, obviously coming off like the loss, you know, it like, there, there's an element to some of these turnaround games against the Rams the last couple of years on Monday night. Mm -hmm. A lot of that has to do with them just, just being hyped, like being ready 
to play yeah. and then they play with more energy than they have in other games and sometimes that resonates in terms of wins and losses i could see this chief's performance like having an element to that i'm not saying they're going to win because of it but i could see like the energy of the team being drastically different than what we saw in atlanta yeah and the crowd on sunday if he plays if he plays and they get into the red zone and he takes the field the crowd's gonna go nuts i mean if he scores a touchdown which is like a distinct possibility yeah, they did that with Emmanuel Sanders, remember? Against yeah. the Panthers in his first game, they got into the red zone and just forced one into him. Right. Like, here, this is going to Emmanuel Sanders. So, yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a possibility. I'm thinking about, like, because that's funny you mentioned that um, that Panthers game. I remember some really nasty screenplays for Christian McCaffrey. I think he got a touchdown yeah. on one of them. Yeah. The screen game could be completely ridiculous for the Niners now. I mean, it's it's already good when you can like shoot Debo Samuel a bubble screen, and if you block that up, that's has the potential to be a big play. Now defenses have to factor in McCaffrey in the screen game. You can you could do a fake screen to Debo, and then another screen to McCaffrey, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like it could get it could get nasty. There's a lot of stuff you can do with Christian McCaffrey, but again, so much of it is health, man. He's had ankle, thigh, shoulder, hamstring. And ankle injuries. Talking about the last two seasons and seasons that he missed so much time, it's like it hasn't been just like one thing. Yeah, I think the ankle is the most in, significant. Yeah, ten games between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, more important than the injury stuff, what number do you think he's going to wear? I was going to ask you that. Do you think he does so, something that goes like... I, I was trying to think if there are any single digits he could get, but I don't think there are. Is six available? Uh, that's Danny Gray, but maybe he could get... I mean, Danny Gray can switch to something else. Yeah. I imagine Christian McCaffrey has made enough money that he can... So Jeff Wilson wears number 22. I can't imagine... A running back that's getting his job taken and is going to be like, yeah, here's my number two. Right. Uh, he wore five in college, which belongs to Trey Lance. 
But he's on IR. You could technically give it to him. Yeah, that, maybe. that would be weird. That'd be that'd be super weird. Okay, I have I have a twenty-seven Dante Johnson. No, I I have a I have a question that might be controversial on this podcast. It's oh, for you. Okay. Oh boy. What would your reaction be if they gave Christian McCaffrey twenty-one? Oof. No player since Frank Gore has worn twenty. No, I know. I would uh, take back everything I said. <laughs> Dude, doing that, here's the, the the stones and dare I say the gall. It would take <laughs> while they're celebrating the 2012 team that went to the Super Bowl. Oh, Frank Moore, no, I didn't even think about that. Rolls out the number 21 jersey like, hey, Frank, thanks, dog. <laughs> I would... The, uh, the even worse than that, like 21 is a sick running back number. And especially if Frank Gore came out and is like, yeah, I would be honored to have him wear 21. That'd be great. And Kumbaya, the worst would be if they like, if he's like, yeah, Hey, here's number 46, like just a terrible running back number. I would take back all the nice things I said about this move. If they did that. I mean, I'm kind of looking at Jordan Mason and being like, man, 24 is probably too good of a number for you. Way too good. Where 48. Yeah. Like no disrespect to Jordan Mason, but like that's probably something where you'd be like way too good of a running back. Yeah. Um, There is, I'm trying to see Mitchell's 25. There's no 23 on the roster right now. Oh, Oh. You think they'd cool. let you think they'd let you think they'd let somebody wear the Michael James number? <laughs> uh Marlon Mack is number 23 on the practice squad. Rank the McCaffrey brothers who have played for the 49ers. Max Christian, go. <laughs> Christian for sure. Uh what about Ed? Uh, the one or two spot. What about Ed? Ed played for the night. Oh yeah, hella early in his career, huh? Ed was on the 94 team, bro. Oh my God, that's right. This is a full, full circle McCaffrey story. Also, we can't uh, we can't underestimate that. We can we can't underestimate that actually. Okay, um, on this I'm on this number tip. I, I kind of wait. Like it. Ed McCaffrey played for the Giants. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I were to bet, I mean, 23 is there to be taken. 23 would would work. I think 23 is a good number. You could go. What do you think about numbers in the teens for running backs? Because that's a new thing in the NFL. Uh, what it depends on it depends on the number. I think fourteen. Nah. Fourteen uh, is available. Seventeen. I think I like seventeen. But he then again, look, it's like he would look like a, buff. a greens jersey. He would look. <laughs> he would look buff in like a buff uh, slot receiver. In yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. See, I don't like it. I think it'd have to be eighteen. But that was Dante Pettis. Like, what are you going to do with all well, these numbers? Well, you know? Mitch Wisnowski's rocking 18, bro. That's untouchable. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm I'm guessing he's just going to wear 23. Or he's going to take 24 from Jordan Mason. And then Mason will take 23. Maybe. Or Import- maybe Jeff Wilson Jr. is a really good dude. And it's like, here you go, man. What? How much money? Do you think there's a number figure? Like a dollar figure, a number figure. What an idiot! A dollar figure. <laughs> it's late. 
a dollar figure that that Jeff Wilson Jr. would be like, all right. If I were Jeff Wilson Jr. and some and Christian McCaffrey wants my number, I'm asking for a hundred grand. Oh my god, I'm going seven figures. Like you're taking my job, first of all. You want so, seven figures for your jersey give number? Me a milli, dog. Give me a million or word twenty three like a chump. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Mason standing there like, hey, I'll take I'll take a hundred grand. Yeah, if I'm McCaffrey, there's no way I'm paying a million bucks for a number. No, I know. Yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating. Hey, here's, I mean, a, here's here's something we haven't talked about yet. Did mm-hmm. you know that that Stanford Stadium and Levi Stadium are only 13 miles apart? <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> I, I think it's it's the other funny aspect of it is the fact that the Niners passed on Christian McCaffrey to take Solomon Thomas in 2017. Which I get. You don't I understand not drafting him at that point, but it is funny that we've we've ended up at this place after that dude they are trying so hard to get the 2017 draft right whiff on solomon thomas trade back up into the first round get reuben foster whiff on that like all right fine how about christian mccaffrey (laughs) one of these is gonna work can you imagine if they had three first round picks from the 2017 draft and none of them worked out it'd be hard to do it would be hard to do i'm tweeting it that's a good tweet i'm tweeting this pod okay great glad Glad the listeners get that content. Chris, hurry up and do content. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a, he's a Gemini. June 7th. <laughs> What's his horoscope today? I don't know. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. He's just, we just, our birthdays are a week apart. I just noticed. Um, all right. 116 catches for 1,000 yards in 2019. 107 catches for 867 yards in 2018. That's Ultimately, that's again, he's got to stay healthy. That's how I think the 49ers use him. Like that's gonna stand out more as him as a a rusher. Yes. In my opinion. It'll be like, you know, the Niners need to convert on third down, third and four. Kyle Shanahan will find a linebacker he likes and get him isolated on McCaffrey. <laughs> find and then the linebacker he likes. And then just go to town. Hey, that guy sucks. Let's <laughs> love that guy. That's kind of <laughs> well. I mean, you, you we watch him. We watch Kyle Shanahan torture bad defensive players. Like that is that is what right. Christian McCaffrey is designed to do in this off in in this offense is right. Find a mismatch. Like you're not you're you're not going to cover him with a linebacker. You're just not. On top of what you can do in the screen game, and you know, obviously, he's a good running back too, but. It's the versatility of it that's really intriguing to me. And look, yeah. if you if you want to win a Super Bowl, I'm I'm excited about it, man. Uh, I, I'm excited about it because it's going to be really interesting to to watch. I just hope he stays healthy. But like to win a Super Bowl, you you're going to have to beat Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, most likely. Here's, yeah, and right, and you need stars as many as possible, especially if if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be your quarterback. Um. But here's the thing, like you say, you hope he can stay healthy. Like that's the case for Debo Samuel. That's the case for Brandon Ayuk, or not Brandon Ayuk, but George Kittle. Like that's just, I mean, they paid Debo knowing that, hey, there's injury risk there. They paid George yeah. Kittle knowing, hey, he has a torn labrum in his shoulder currently. 
And he's just going to have it until after his career when he has surgery. Uh, this is just kind of, I think if you're waiting for a player that's like, yeah, hey, we're looking for durability more than we're looking for, like, I just don't think, I don't think that's <laughs> tenable. I just had a funny thought. Coming out of the Super Bowl, the class. Co- coming out of a Super Bowl and being like, you know why this team won was because of their durability. <laughs> well, it they people say you know it's it's a war of attrition. You know the healthiest teams, but but I just well, I think... just mean like watching watching a game and being like my take from that game. <laughs> it's like yep, God, that so that durability fl- just was everywhere on display. Just jumped off the screen. All that durability. <laughs> What's their durability MVP story? durability? Their, their durability on PFF was dark, dark blue. <laughs> no, but I mean, I you need your best players, durability. obviously. But you need your best players, obviously. Yeah. But I get and, the idea of like trying to go all in to do something. That yeah, and if if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, then you know you're back at square one and and whatever. But now, if George Kittle gets hurt, it's not. It's bad obviously, but like, oh, okay. You feel like maybe you can survive that. Say that right. Debo Samuel's not available for a few games. Like, it's just, it, it all comes back to this for me. Like, it all, that, what I said earlier, you'd rather have more good players than not. And they now have another good player. Maybe it burns them down the road, but they're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. And I love that they they didn't just look at their roster and go, yeah, maybe the chips will fall our way and we'll win one. Maybe we'll we'll luck into one here. Maybe our defense will pitch a shutout in the Super Bowl. Like it just that's not that's not tenable. It's such a delicate needle thread, right? Yeah, big time. And they haven't been it, able to thread it to this point, so why not go make a move that increases your offense's chances at su- succeeding in the biggest moments, which they haven't done. Fourth yeah. quarter of the NFC Championship game was a nightmare for them. Fourth quarter of the Super Bowl was a nightmare for them. Yeah. Like, why try to relive that? Because to your point earlier, like, that's exactly where this was headed yep. with this current roster. There wasn't any reason to think, oh, this version of the offense is going to go beat Josh Allen or or Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. There just yeah. wasn't. And I know it's early in the season when we talk about the offense tends to get better as the year goes on, but just from a pure talent perspective with the deficiencies along the offensive line, with some of the injuries they've been dealing with just overall, like if they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, they needed more talent and they potentially just got it. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. You want to get to the Cooperage six pack? Cooperage six we pack. Recorded, they were recorded seven hours, six hours ago. I think the analysis still based on memory, I haven't re-listened to it, but. Um, I think the analysis looking at the guys we picked is spot yeah. on. And even yeah. with McCaff, like, I don't, what's McCaffrey going to get? Five I snaps? If he plays with five that, snaps? Right. If 10 that, snaps, yeah. maybe. Everything's, everything holds up. Yeah. Everything holds up. So, um, fingers crossed yeah, for my Jordan Mason pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Mitch Wisnowski's got to be, you know, punting his ass off regardless who's playing running back. <laughs> just kidding um all right cooperage six Let's back get to it we'll get Cooper to it. loop and it's up to the races and it's a 
I need to change in my notes every time when I do it, I write it down as pick six and it needs to just be Coop Six Pack. Crossing it off. Koopa Loop. Coop Six Pack. I hope somebody got the this is sponsored the reference there. Yes, old school <laughs> old school is my man. The fun like it was old school first... or anchorman. Which one? So for me, for for me, uh, as as somebody who was I think fourteen when Anchorman came out, and I think a little bit younger when Old School came out, it's Anchorman. But I think Old School goes down as it. If to to use a to use a comp, I think there's a subset of Niner fans that are Joe Montana people, and there's another subset of Niner fans that are Steve Young people. And I think that that group is probably split based on age. And there's a subset of Niner fans. It's Alex Smith. People, what up? And <laughs> I think that congrats. <laughs> I think that Anchorman is the Steve Young to old school's Joe Montana. That's not a perfect comp, but right. that's to say I think old school kind of kicked off that run through the mid two thousands of those those kind of Judd Apatow type comedies. So I'm, I'm with you in the sense of like, you know, talking about superstar athletes, people talk about like LeBron and Jordan. One thing that I factor heavily that I don't know gets talked a lot very much is like LeBron James wouldn't exist without Michael Jordan, right? Like the influence of Michael Jordan and his greatness really impacted yeah. LeBron James and what he turned into. Sure. And to me, that is a huge sway in the favor of Michael Jordan in the GOAT discussion. Um, sure. sure, sure. Bringing it back to old school versus Anchorman. <laughs> this Anchorman is... doesn't exist without old school, I don't think. You're welcome for this content, Cooperage. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... but I, th- I, I, I think you're right. That's that's a much more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, no, I we're we're in lockstep here. Okay, um, Koopa Loop six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Do you trust that I don't want to see you die here tonight? It's one of the funniest <laughs> things anyone's ever said in a movie. <laughs> oh, you're my boy. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, Koopa Loop, all, all, all timer, all timer. Okay, hey, they need to if they don't have a beer already called Koopa Loop. I need it. I mean, it could happen, and I could have a green hat on it. It could happen. I mean, they they do create beers like, yeah. They, they Call it Curdaloop if you want. I don't care. Like, just Koopa Loop. All right. Anyways, six pack. <laughs> Let's pick six players who are going to have an impact on Sunday's game. Can't can't wait to pick a player who's not going to play. <laughs> who's going to? Uh, who's who's picking first? You. It's you today. I'm picking first. Okay. All right. Is Oren Burks the Patrick Willis of Michael Wilhoit's? Is Oren Burks of Patrick Willis of Michael Wilhoit's? Um, sure. Okay. I think I think Carry he's on. a Pat. No, 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 no. I think he's a Patrick Willis of Larry Grant. Because <laughs> <laughs> Wilhoit started as a special teams guy, but then he became like a starter. Right. Burks hasn't really <clears throat> been a starter yet. He's still kind of just a special teams guy. Sure. Which is more or less what Larry Grant was. And Larry Grant is the Patrick Willis of Tavares Goodens. This twenty, this whole twenty twelve <laughs> Niners reunion thing, 
got me got me just we we need to do the six pack but i'm with you um, larry grant one of the few and one of the elite members of society who made his way from santa rosa to uh ohio state at a certain point in life so i think get him on the pod? i'm gonna try and get him on the pod there's about two of us i think who've done that i'm Maybe gonna try i'm trying to get him on the pod i think he's coaching at city college in san francisco all right you pick first <laughs> Um, I'm going chalk. It's a big game. I feel like I got to go chalk. Can't get too hipster with my first pick here because I have a feeling you would take this guy if I didn't take him right now. Um, Jordan and Mason. It... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm taking Nick Bosa. Um, yeah, that's the right pick. I don't need to reiterate my point that Nick Bosa is the most important 49ers defensive player. That was very clear in Atlanta. Um, he's just a difference maker on the edge in the running game and passing game. They'll obviously need him in the passing game this week. If they have any chance of beating Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, I think it's going to take Nick Bosa impacting the game dramatically. That is not a scorching hot take. Um, it is fairly obvious. Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback in the league or one of the top two Nick Bosa, arguably the best pass rusher in the league, or at least top two or three. And the formula for the 49ers beating the chiefs is putting Patrick Mahomes on his back. And Nick Bosa is a guy who would likely do that the most for the 49ers. I'm going to pick Trent Williams for all the same things you said, but for offensive line instead of defensive line. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, that was, we we talked about this uh, on, on yesterday's podcast, but if Nick Bosa and Trent Williams don't play or weren't playing, they're trending toward playing, I would say. I would be mildly surprised if they didn't at this point. But I just think that if they weren't playing, I would have zero optimism that the 49ers could win this game. And of course they could any given Sunday, right? The Colts beat the beat the Chiefs, but great point. I would have a lot less op- yeah, week to week league. Um <laughs> many are saying I would just have less optimism about it. But if Bosa and Williams are playing, like it just gives the 49ers an entirely new dynamic. And then if if Jimmy Ward's also going to play, and if you tell me that Talanoa Hufanga is going to clear concussion protocol by Sunday, like I just start to feel a lot better about it. But it starts with Bosa and Williams. And you took Bosa, so I'm taking Williams. I think that by itself helps their run game. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> Um, sorry. I'm just, I'm just looking up stats. I want to have metrics to back up my, my takes here. Um, all right. I am going to go with third pick overall chalk E, but not as chalk. Okay. And I could go, I could go, I could go real chalk here, um, against receivers. One, two, three, Chiefs have allowed the seventh most yards in the NFL against receivers. Um, their passer rating against is like 107. I think it's the lowest in the league. That's not good. So there are going to be, and they have one interception. There are going to be opportunities for 49ers receivers. Um, but I'm not going to make the chalk pick and go with Debo Samuel. I'm going to take Brandon Ayuk. Because oh, you son of a bee. He can't, he's coming off a two-touchdown performance. I think this is going to be the point where we start to see Brandon Ayuk take off as like one of the better receivers, better young guys in the league. 
Um, I'm not putting him, you know, there are tons of really good receivers. I'm not putting him in that category just yet, but I think he's talented enough to get to that point, or at least in that discussion. And we're all just kind of sitting here waiting for it. Um, and I think this is, you know, last week was an indication of what it could look like as defenses continue to, um, really focus on stopping Debo Samuel, given how heavily the 49ers have relied on him. I think part of that movement towards balancing out the offense is going to include more Brandon Ayuk targets going forward. And I think this is an opportunity against the Chiefs defense for him to do that. Um, so coming off that two touchdown game, I'm picking Brandon Ayuk to have another big performance um, in large part because I don't trust the Chiefs defense. And it's probably going to be a, a higher scoring game. Um, and I think they just the Niners are going to have to get Brandon Ayuk going because when you're defending the 49ers, your initial thought is to stop Debo Samuel first and foremost. And I think that that benefits Brandon Ayuk in, in pretty obvious ways. Yeah, I love that pick. I said before the Atlanta game that Brandon Ayuk was due for like a nine catch, 150 yard, two touchdown game. And had that completion not got called back that deep one, he would have been at like nine and one thirty and two. And I don't think it was a one off that he was going to have a massive game like that. So I love the pick. I thought you were going to go Debo and I was going to pick Ayuk and then you picked Ayuk. So I'm calling it audible and I'm going with George Kittle. So <laughs> the, the thing that Kyle Shanahan is, is very good at is isolating linebackers and making them, making them go the wrong direction and getting Trent, uh, getting George Kittle. I almost said Trent Taylor, getting George Kittle in advantageous matchups against linebackers. Uh, Nick Bolton is, the Chiefs' second highest graded coverage player. He's one of their linebackers. He's allowed 25 catches on 25 targets. Uh, Willie Gay, another one of their linebackers, has allowed uh, 16 catches on 17 targets. So I don't think he's going to play. Uh, he's been banged up, but the Chiefs don't have any linebackers that can cover. And I think they're going to use Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed, their two safeties, to try and to try and cover George Kittle. But I think there's going to be enough times that he gets running free on a linebacker that just can't hang with him. And so he went eight for, I think, 83 against Atlanta. I think we see another big game. And I think I'm going to predict that we see George Kittle get in the end zone this week. We're kind of waiting for that George Kittle breakout game, right? Yeah. Like the one he had, what do you have? The huge game in Seattle last year, we had like 10 catches and 190 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, one critique of your point. And I, I think everything you said is is right on. I just cannot believe you mentioned George Kittle without mentioning that Sunday is National Tight Ends Day. Stop the podcast, Tyler. <laughs> delete. Oh, no, <laughs> it's National Tight Ends Day. Watch out, everybody. In that case, I'm picking Charlie Werner. <laughs> um, okay, and so in. revenge this is, tour. This is. I mean, I think I. Is it time to go hipster? I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Do I come do I come out going hipster? Um So, you know how like some things get adopted by so many hipsters, they're no longer hipster? Yeah. I know a lot of things like that. Jimmy Ward's the pick. That's not even a hit. That's just a good pick. That was going to be my pick. That's too you 
but there was there was a time maybe back in like 2019 where like you know the the real the people who knew the people who listen to this pod and understand how much how much we invested in Jimmy Ward Island and mm-hmm. um, the construction of condos and beach resorts and golf courses, um, which has flourished since we've hit a little bit of a low point in the tourism market That's this fun. year with, with, That's with fun. Ward's injuries, but it looks like he's coming back, but he's, he's like that player that is. We're what? experiencing low tourism because of a pandemic. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Oh, I'm so mad at you. All right. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I was really excited to get that. Uh, you, yeah, you like you you made a look and and motioned in a way that I've never seen you do on the pod. So I just had to let to to to, to let you have that one. Thanks, um, I it was good. Um, but Jimmy Ward is kind of that thing that was like hipster a couple years ago, and now he's everyone realizes how good he is, so it's no longer hipster. Right. But I'm viewing it as sort of a hipster pick here. Obviously, he's got to defend Travis Kelsey. Um, the 49ers are going to have a really hard time winning the game if they don't at least contain Travis Kelsey to a certain extent. He mm-hmm. leads the NFL with seven touchdown catches. That's good. Pretty um, decent. And so if they're going to beat the Chiefs, I mean, it's it, you can't let him score two times or three times, right? Like they're probably going to get one from elsewhere. So Jimmy Ward probably going to, if he if and when he plays, I think he's going to play. Um, I do is going to be the guy defending Kelsey most often, particularly in key situations. So Ward's the pick, formerly a hipster pick, but no longer. I'm not going hipster at all, but it fits a little bit with what you're saying, just not Travis Kelsey specific. I'm going with Fred Warner. And that's chalk. I, chalk. it's very chalk. No, it's extremely chalk. And I said that. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying. Th- this, is a, this is a huge game for the 49ers. And I... They ready for this one? They need their they need their A players to be A players. They it's about, need a it's about the Jimmys and the Joes this week. It sure is. And that's why I think we have six of their A players on this list because that's what's going to tell the story of the game. If any of these guys don't play or they don't play well, it's going to be really hard to beat Kansas City, mm-hmm. either slowing them down or scoring on them. So I... I'm going with Warner because a he was bad in Atlanta, and I don't foresee him having two bad games in a row. And I think there is an element of confusion that the Chiefs tend to thrive on, and he is the player in the middle of their defense that would be calling certain things out, um, and just making sure that Travis Kelsey isn't running all alone in the red zone. Like we see him do time and time again. And I think that that's going to mean, and then of course there's just the production, you know, making tackles. He's going to get matched up on Kelsey. Can he win that matchup when he is? Um, Yeah. Fred Warner. I think he needs to have a big game. Five of our six picks are team captains. Yeah. So I went Bosa. You went Trent Williams. I went Ayuk. You went Kittle. I went Jimmy Ward. You went Fred Warner. Brandon Ayuk's the only guy among that group who isn't a, a team captain. So it's it's a big game. And and to your point, like it's a the A players are going to tell the story more than um, the other guys potentially. Could have yeah. gone like what what were you, some of the better make... hipster candidates like Jake Brendel? Jake Jake Brendel. Yeah. Can he can he 
keep Chris Jones from dominating the way he did in the Super Bowl. You could go like Diamador Lenore. Yep. Filling in. Um, Sam Womack filling in. I mean, the hipster favorite pick, we could have gone like Dante Johnson. Sure. Like Dante Johnson could like limit Juju Smith Schuster to like two catches for 12 yards. Kadar Holman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> too far. Too far? All right. <laughs> my, bad, far. my bad. My bad. One, one step too That's far. Fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 2012 team is going to get honored. DFR. Sure are. Jim Harbaugh is going to be there. The dynamic between 49ers fans and Jim Harbaugh is fascinating. I've been hanging out with the morning show on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. It's part of my job. I work there. FYI. Have I mentioned that before? I don't think I have. Anyways, they brought up Jim Harbaugh today, and they spent like most of their show talking about Harbaugh. And the responses are wild because I think there's like a portion of Niner fans that's like, screw that guy. He sucks. I'm out. And then another portion of Niner fans that are like, can he stay in Santa Clara and coach the game instead? Like that's, and it's the, the, the dynamic is so, so interesting because he had such great success through those first three years, the fourth year it fell apart. And there were obviously organizational issues with Jed York, with Trent Balky. There was so much friction there. It was just never going to work. But I also don't think that it was, oh, if Harbaugh had stuck around in 2015, they would have been back in the playoffs. I think the ship was was it wouldn't have gotten as disastrous as it was in 15 and 16, but I do think that was a a sinking ship. Totally agree. Um I have my opinions on Harbaugh are probably not popular among the 49ers fan base as a whole in that I agree with you it was going downhill fast. Jim Harbaugh is a complete wild card and somebody who um, was just all over the place every day. Like you didn't, you, as a media person covering the team at that point, it wasn't like, you know, you would ask Jim Harbaugh a question in a press conference and he would go on a tangent about something completely unrelated to the question and then look at you in the eye with like this satisfactory look on his face where he was like, I just helped you out so much. And I understand that press conferences are not necessarily indicative of what human interactions are like behind the scenes in real life. Right. But from what I gathered and talking to people, it's like nobody knew what they were getting every day. And there's an element of like, you know, I know for a fact that, and this was both on Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke's side that like there were members of the organization who felt like they were being pulled in either direction, team Harbaugh or team Baalke, mm-hmm. right? Like it was an organizational divide. And I think as good as Jim Harbaugh was, he's the first coach in league history to go to three straight conference title games to open his career. Really impressive stuff, obviously unprecedented. It wasn't going to last. The dynamics behind the scenes in the locker room, it was just not going to last. It was, it was not going to steady itself out. And, um, you know, I, I was I saw Josh Dubow at the Kings game last night. Josh Dubow, the AP stat guy, he went to Michigan. I went to Ohio State. We give each other a lot of shit. It's a lot you of guys fun. Fight every time you see each other. It's really great. Knockdown, um, drag out. I <laughs> and we we're talking about Harbaugh coming back, and he's like, um, 
you know, his fear sarcastically, and I hope he's not upset with me saying this, but his fear sarcastically was like, man, because he's a Michigan fan. He's like, man, I hope Jim Harbaugh and Jed York don't all of a sudden mend their relationship and and Jim's back coaching team because I don't want him to leave Michigan. And I was like, well, hey, um, hey, Josh, what's Jim Harbaugh's record against top 10 teams uh, since going back to Michigan? And um, Josh looked it up. Jim Harbaugh is four and 14 against top 10 teams, including bowl games at Michigan. Right. So like. And there was an element, too, of Jim Harbaugh losing big games with the 49ers. Did that at Stanford, too. And did it at Stanford. So, look, I think ultimately the issue, and I'm not trying to, like, take sides like Jed York versus Jim Harbaugh, and I'm clearly on Jed York's side because obviously both parties deserve a heavy share of blame. Like, there, it was not, neither side came out looking great. I do think it was unsustainable with Jim Harbaugh, ultimately. I thought the 2014 roster they had, was the best one in, of Harbaugh's regime, and they went eight and eight, right? And it was just a disastrous season relative to expectations. Um, so I did not, in hindsight now, in hindsight's 2020, obviously, no problem with with the idea to, to part with Harbaugh um, because it just wasn't going to it, it wasn't going to work. They weren't going to bounce back and all of a sudden be an elite team again in 2016, right? Like it that the ship had sailed, it was sunk. However, you want to say it. Um, the issue, the bigger problem with firing Harbaugh was compounding the um, the turmoil by making terrible hires the next two years. And in, in essence, keeping Trent Baalke like to, to the decision should have been fire both Harbaugh and Baalke start from scratch. Then Jed York's miscalculation was that Trent Baalke was really good at rebuilding rosters and siding with Trent instead of just firing them both. Um, That's, that's ultimately my opinion is that the error was compounded. Like however you feel about just the relationship between York and Harbaugh, the biggest mistakes were moving on from Harbaugh and following it up with Tom Sula and then Chip Kelly. Right. Um, Well, I think ideally, and I think Jed York probably knows this now that he's had, a coach and GM that were hired in lockstep at the same time. That's probably what he should have done initially. I think Jed York would tell you that. Yes. Um, so anyway, that's my take. I think Harbaugh was great for those first three years. And I think with just his personality, it makes it extremely difficult to sustain anything long-term. And I think we've seen that um, really. And, and obviously his record in big games at Michigan speaks for itself. But I'm I, all I'm all for Michigan bolstering its its resume ahead of the Ohio State game because that's that's usually my favorite thing. Like it's I can't lose when Michigan wins as long as they're not beating Ohio State. You know, people are like, oh, Mich-, you know, Trace Tracy Sandler, also a Michigan alum. Josh, they like Michigan? to rub it in my face. <laughs> they like to rub it in my face when Michigan does one. I'm like, look, I want you to do as well as possible because then the Ohio State's win over Michigan at the end of November is just going to mean that much more. And that's typically what's happened with one exception in the last two decades or whatever it's been. So, right. Go bucks. Oh, H. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sac state number two in the, in the FCS poll right now. No big deal. Uh, stingers up. So Reese Hoskins, up. Reese Hoskins crushing it right now for the, uh, crushing it right now for the, for the fills in the NFL. Could the stingers be any more up at the no, moment? No, my, my stingers never been hired. DeAndre <laughs> Carter has carved out a big role in, in, 
in LA with the Chargers. <laughs> this is a family show, man. Come on. <laughs> I just love podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, the the thing about the 2012 team, and I, I know I know it's different for you because you you were covering the team by then. Yeah. Yes. I started covering um, the team in 2013. Right. So so I know it's a little different for you because um being a being a journalist and covering the team and stuff is is different but um as somebody that that grew up a niner fan and was 22 in the 2012 season that was like i was so attached to that team and i still i i still like any 2012 niner highlights like throw them on like yes i'm in that was just such a fun team in the style of defense they played in the the style of offense they played and then you throw the Colin Kaepernick element in there in the second half of the season and it was just this this electricity on both sides of the ball that I had just never seen again I was born in 90 I don't remember the 94 team at all couldn't tell you a th- I mean I can now but in that moment couldn't tell you a thing about it so 2011 12 were the first seasons where the Niners were like really good that I could remember and take part in. And 11 was, was, uh, was what it was. Um, the saints game was obviously great. And, and that, that whole run was great. Cause I didn't expect them to be very good, but, um, the 2012 team was the most fun I've ever had watching the 49ers play football and so i think it's really cool that they're bringing them all back and i'm excited for that this weekend we'll both be out at the game we will we'll both be there can't wait for that too dude we're gonna get so much good social media content out yeah yeah we're two of us on the field yeah we're gonna do the b-boy stance on the field Mm pregame players behind us yeah every we know how much everybody loves pregame content like, I can't. Here's I'm thinking us on the sideline. That's Nick. We're... Nick Bosa exercising. <laughs> Gonna get some of those shots. Might. Might. I think. Uh, I think I'll get a, a photo of all the wide receivers and be like, "WRs." Right. I think is a good caption for that. Right. Um. I'm just really excited. Maybe a maybe a nice George Kittle pick. Just be like, "Happy National Tight Ends Day." That'll do numbers. <laughs> get, get some likes. <laughs> My favorite pregame moment is when the running backs pose for pictures. Oh my god! Because I think they're the only position group that all pose for pictures uh, together, like yes. with with team photographers, and it's great. It's it's <laughs> helmets on, hands low, but but doing either like a like a deuces or some kind of hand sign, uh, right? To pick your favorite, and Kyle Usechek. Just Kyle Juszczyk also there, <laughs> also attends, also attends the gathering. <laughs> I will say, and this is probably, I'm not trying to bite on Eric Crocker's bit here because I think he's cornered the market on like, uh, on like wristband swag and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Juszczyk between the socks and the tapes and the wristbands mm-hmm. and the all that. Juszczyk's pretty swagged out when I, it comes he, to accessories, football player accessories. Football field, for yeah. sure. Yeah, he yeah, he belongs. I agree. But yeah, it's yeah. it's just funny. It's like Jeff Wilson Jr., Ty Davis Price, and like Harvard's own Kyle Usechek. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. Um all right. Prediction? You think the Chiefs win? Yeah, I think they're gonna win. Okay, I'm gonna be contrarian to you and pander to our listeners and say nice dude. Yeah, so our listeners like me more than you. That's always that's been the case, but I don't know about that. I think it's close though. I think it's like a 23 20 type game. Oh, I thought I you thought, were talking about thought, who who the listeners preferred between. Us. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's close, like like a fifty one forty nine split. Sure, sure, that's fair. Um, no, no, I, I I just when it looked when I thought Bosa and Williams and weren't going to play and it was going to be the same team they kind of rolled out against against the Falcons, I thought it was blowout city, but I feel much differently if their health is going to keep trending the right way. I think the this game's going to mean more for the Niners than the Chiefs. Chiefs are already four and two. They've also not lost back to back games all year, by the way. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess the AFC in general is a little bit stronger. Well, but... they've they've beat the number one team. Or I'm sorry, they lost to the number one team in DVOA in the in the Bills. Yeah. But they've also lost to the number thirty team in DVOA in the Colts. What are the Niners? <clears throat> five. Six? Five. Number five. I think the Chiefs are seven. E5 and DVOA with your backup quarterback is not terrible. Yeah. But um, pretty good. Okay. I'm I'm taking the 49ers in a close one. You're taking the Chiefs in a close one because you hate our listeners. I get it. No, I'm taking the Chiefs in a close one because Chris, <laughs> it's a quarterback's <laughs> league. And I like Patrick Mahomes to make a play more than I like Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play. What do you want from me? I don't think that's a hot take. I'm just giving you shit. No, I know. It's perfectly perfectly reasonable. Um, but no, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think there is I'm going to be... I'm here to be, be objective. I think... <laughs> okay. Telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Right. No, totally. I get it. I think there's going to be an <laughs> element of like atmosphere that's going to kind of contribute to it. Like, I think... The 2012 team being there is going to be a big deal. Bryant Young's going to be honored at halftime. Like there's a there's gonna be just an intensity to Levi's Stadium. The fact that like 49ers want revenge for the Super Bowl. They had to watch that film again this week, like that type of stuff. I think that's gonna that's gonna factor in. The intangible stuff, the stuff that you know you can't measure with numbers. Yeah. I dig it. Maybe colors though. I wouldn't bet like I wouldn't bet on the Chiefs. I would have it's a good thing I don't wager anymore because early this week there would have been a heavy wager on the Chiefs. Yeah. But as this week's gone on and as the Niners get healthy, um, I just I, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be close. Cool. Yeah. I wouldn't All be right. floored if the Niners won. No, I think the Niners And can I think if they win at, at any given Sunday. I think if they win, I think their chances to make a Christian McCaffrey type trade go up substantially. Agree. So. Agree. They'll be like, yeah, we can beat anybody. Now let's like get better. Well, yeah, let's get better. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good pod. We will uh, have. <laughs> You're all welcome for that. <laughs> <laughs> Good pod. We will. Uh, we'll have another episode. I guess Monday. Monday morning. Monday morning. We gotta figure out that that the, the logistics of that. But we will have it. Um, everybody enjoy the game. Enjoy your Cooperage um, beer responsibly, hopefully. Uh, 21 and up. Go to Cooperage Brewing. Order some beer. Candles to Chronicles. AZIPA is there for you. And all of their other delicious vectors that you can choose from. 
we will talk to you guys early next week. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.